It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the party. Joint practices are complete. Kirk Cousins said a bad word and will tell you why Trey Lance is not yet the second coming of Patrick Mahomes. That's coming up next on the Minnesota Football Party, part of Locked On Sports Minnesota. Let's meet the guys. To my right, Luke Inman, co-host of Superior Sports Talk at Luke underscore Spinman, coming to you in high definition today. Looking good, Luke. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, you know, you know. Uh, Luke Braun, next to him, at Luke Braun NFL, Lockdown Vikings host, and Arif Hassan, covering the Vikings for TheAthletic.com, at Arif Hassan NFL. Arif, still at TCO Performance Center. I assume that you're still there because the presidential-like security has not let you walk past the 49ers bus. Is that accurate? I will neither confirm nor deny the security situation developing at TCO Performance Center, but I will say it is characteristic of me to grind into the late hours and do work. So take that how you will. <laughs> Who's to say why I'm still here? Uh, I do have food, and I am prepared uh, to endure for the duration. So you have food, you have shelter. However, you don't have an iPhone. So do you have, like, functional cell signal? Because I know that is also a problem at TCO. Yeah, actually, uh, I am, we're, I'm streaming from my phone right now because the Wi-Fi is actually significantly worse than the data streaming. I think the 5G ultrawide that I'm getting from a brand that has yet to sponsor us, so I won't name them. Um, is doing a pretty good job <laughs> Thank you. of giving me, of giving me uh, the, the signal I need to at least stream into here. I don't know. Uh, it, to my eye, my resolution is better than Luke Braun's, although, of course, it's not nearly as good as Luke Inman's. Luke Inman, just looking spectacular today. Luke Inman, what, Dude, what was course. your biggest? Uh, so good. And his May bed, too. I mean, I don't know if that's right. like a, a, a really daily tradition. Or if it's just on days where we have the football party, but it's it's really tremendous. Um, Luke Inman, what was your biggest takeaway from afar of joint practices? And then maybe Arif and I can fill in the cracks, and we'll hear from Luke Braun with his takes as well. Luke Inman, kick us off. Yeah, well, the only guy of the four here that wasn't in attendance today, well, I guess, Luke Braun, you weren't there either. So, um uh, it sounds like the pass rush was outstanding yesterday. Pass rush really stuck out. Everybody's talking about JJ. I think we, um, I think we get the point. JJ put him in the Hall of Fame already. We get it. Uh, but that pass rush really stood out yesterday. Finally, to see Zadarius and Daniel Hunter, um, not just opposite of each other, but moving around up and down that front seven. That was a lot of fun to see. I'm sure we'll see a lot more wrinkles once Ed Donatello unveils this three-four system and that nickel. Um, kind of base defense, as Kevin O'Connell has called it. But seeing that pass rush get after those quarterbacks, Trey Lance specifically, was a lot of fun to watch. Trey Lance. Um, this is where I was at with Trey Lance at about 11 a.m. on Wednesday. Crown him. He looks unbelievable. He's fluid. He's fast. He's mobile. He's got a cannon rocket arm. And then as the day went on Wednesday, that feeling kind of dissipated a little bit. And then today, it really cooled off. I'm not sure I saw him make one wow throw, maybe a good two-minute throw to Debo. Debo seems to be a safety net. Other than that, I didn't really see a whole lot from Lance today specifically. Now, I will say this, and Arif, 
agree or disagree, his skill set will shine more in the regular season where extending plays is kind of a skill and beneficial, whereas in training camp, if you extend a play as a quarterback, everyone just kind of gives up. It's not like the yardage really counts, um, and it's not like you know, you're trying to kind of hit your reads in training camp settings. So your thoughts on Lance Arif after a couple of days of watching him? Yeah, I think that the extending the play characteristic of his that, that he has um, will, you know, present itself, I think, in the regular season as a bigger asset than it does in a training camp environment. Um, I will say, you know, generally speaking, the way that he plays, at least as a thrower, um, is I, I, there's just like a lot left there. I, I don't know that he's consistently making the right reads quickly enough. It certainly seems like, you know, once he gets off of his first read, it's just as likely he'll get to a second read as it is that he'll scramble. Um, and, uh, the, the, so, you know, there's a lot of things that we can talk about with regards to his level of performance, especially today in team settings, like in 11 on 11 drills, that's when he seems to do the worst, which is not surprising, right? Like seven on sevens and and one V ones, you know, those get gradually easier as you, but uh, compared to other quarterbacks, like every quarterback is generally going to look good in one-on-one drills. Generally quarterbacks will look better in seven drills and the, the, and then you'll get a better understanding of who they are in 11 on 11 drills. But the gap for him versus other quarterbacks, when that's the case, seems to be fairly drastic. I think that when it becomes team drills, he he drops in his level of play really significantly. We saw a lot of inaccurate passes, especially deep. The thing that I, I think that's going to be an issue that we didn't see much of in these two days of practice, but I think will be there in the regular season is that he's got a really long wind throw. Now he whips his arm really fast. So there is some element where he kind of makes up for it with hand speed, but his release just takes forever in terms of distance traveled to, to get out. And it kind of reminds me actually a little bit of Kellen Mond. Mond has a compact release, but it takes him forever to make the decision. Whereas Lance will make the decision faster, but the release will take longer. And I think that's going to lead to batted passes in the, in the regular season. So I, I think there's a lot of problems there with with Trey Lance as a as a quarterback at least at the beginning of the regular season if that doesn't get um you know hashed out by by the end of the season but I think that given that you know the Vikings looked really awful in wide receiver one on ones especially in day one um but the defense by the end of it uh, ended up holistically I think looking a lot better um and you know maybe it says good things about the defense maybe Trey Lance is actually really good but the defense is better it's always tough to tell hmm. Luke Braun Lance guy I'm like, I really liked him coming out just off of like potential, but it was always just potential. He played 19 games in college, and I feel like he's hasn't been able to shed that. Um, still feels like he hasn't shed that. But also, like, how old is he? Right? Like, maybe this is one of those guys that takes a leap in when he's 22, and that's actually you know year three, something like that. I don't think the 40, I, I don't know. The 49ers feel like they've painted themselves into such a corner. They still have Jimmy Garoppolo, like being paid millions to sit down. Um, I was kind of looking forward to hearing some Trey Lance thoughts from people who were there. Cause I want to see if they're going to actually be a team here. Um, sounds like bleak, I guess. Eh. Still yeah. a lot of talent on that roster. If the Eagles can win nine with Jalen hurts, the 49ers can win nine with Trey Lance. I, um, I think si- it is in the ahead. likely range of outcomes. It's in the likely range of outcomes that uh, Trey Lance is a better quarterback than Jalen Hurts by the end of the season, but I don't think that's a certainty. 
Um, but I think that's a good comparison in terms of like how a talented roster can bring a quarterback with that specific kind of skill set that maybe doesn't, you know, process the reads as quickly as they should or throw all that well. Yeah. Other side of the ball, Kurt Cousins. We don't we don't swear it's a family program, but Kurt Cousins dropped a you bleeping like that on Wednesday after a completion. My verdict after watching two days of uh, of elevens, I think the Vikings offense was better than the the 49ers offense. And I would say, you know, in turn, Vikings defense got the better of the 49ers defense in those settings. So I feel like the Vikings won the joint practices. We'll see who wins the actual game on Saturday. But I would say Kirk, and there he is in all his glory. Um, I thought he showed pretty well in these couple days. Luke Braun doesn't think Kirk swore. He thinks it's a he's it, it's apparition. This is all fake news. Yeah, no, you guys are clearly <laughs> corrupt by the lamestream media, and you've all gotten in on the same cabal to mislead the public. We've seen this before. Kirk's got to put the catchphrase away, though, in any setting except major victories. It's got to be a playoff win, right? Am I am I wrong about this? Kirk's got to stop with the trademark. It's it's too. It's I don't I don't now. even it's think saturated. in a playoff win. I don't think even in a playoff win. I think he's just got to show it. Because every time now, it just feels forced. Whether or not it ends up becoming natural yeah. or you deploy it at the exact right way, it just feels forced. He just has to you know, be a human and come up with new things to say in moments where you're good and winning, right? Yeah, um, absolutely. Again, in a practice it, it, environment, it's expired. I guess. Yeah, yeah it, it goes back all the way to the days of Washington. Now, it's 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 expired. You got to switch it up. You got to spice it up. You got to get You got to get something new going on. It's been watered down so much at this point. I agree. I, I will share a story Kirk cousins like at a chalkboard late and in, deep into the night drenched in sweat trying to come up with his next catchphrase <laughs> like that one scene from community like trying to <laughs> come up with something that's both aggressive and also like wholesome enough for him to not ruin his family friendly brand just like <laughs> stressing i will confirm that this is not the first Effenheimer out of Kirk's lips. I have heard one before. It was last year, goal line drill, but not trying to score, trying to escape from the goal line. Phil Rauscher was in their ear, and Phil Rauscher, last year's offensive line coach, was loud and boisterous, and I'm guessing he would get under your skin sometimes. And he was challenging the offensive line to get out of there, and they did. And Kirk goes, we got the you-know-what out of there, Phil. And that was with no fans. Um, that was the first time I heard Kirk ever swear. And now I feel like it's like every other month we hear something. It's, uh, yeah, he's, he's turning 14, you know, it's, as soon as he <laughs> he's learning realizes... all the new words. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think, uh, I think, him? I think Where he dropped he learn that Zimmer. Yeah. <laughs> Who taught him that? Yeah. Um, I, he, I think at some point last year, he also dropped an H E double hockey sticks. Um, you know, he said the word, right. So uh it, kind of interesting i posited to luke that um kirk understands that interest rates are really high right now uh and so for investment purposes he swore more so that he can contribute to his swear jar which of course is uh, is probably backed by one of the banks that sponsor him rolls it into like a roth ira or something along those lines uh and make sure he can take advantage of those interest rates you know make inflation work for you really Luke Inman, I know you watched this because I know that you're a golf nerd like me. 
disappointed in in the golf video the Vikings released with Kirk in it. I thought Kirk was much better than than he uh, actually was. That was pretty disappointing. Poor performance. Yeah, Kirk's display was disappointing. But I tell you, yeah. who surprised the <laughs> just surprised the heck out of me. Harrison Smith blew me away. Harrison Smith swings that club just as you would expect Harrison Smith to swing the club as fast and as hard as he can. No touch, but he's good. He's good. His balls went straight off the tee. He had good approach shots, good from 150 and in, always hitting the green. Um, he surprised me a lot. I did not know Harrison Smith. I know he just took up the game, I don't know, a couple of years ago. Quite the learning curve there with golf if you've ever tried it. Takes years to start to become even average at that sport. But Harrison Smith picked it up clearly pretty quickly. He surprised me quite a bit. That was probably the funnest part to watch of that video. Not Kirk. Mm -hmm. Thielen, pretty high expectations for him. I know he's a big golfer in the offseason. No idea what to expect from Patrick Peterson either. But of the four, I would assume going in that Harrison Smith would have been the worst. Harrison Smith, one of the best golfers uh, of the bunch that, that day anyways. Yeah, outstanding. Arif, I keep going back to you because you were boots on the ground. Other big takes that you saw? Sure. I think one of the biggest takeaways for me, and I think uh, Luke Inman mentioned this, um, specifically Zadarius Smith, but all elements of the pass rush looked really good for the Vikings. But um, Zadarius Smith, uh, I was actually, I mentioned that I was worried about his level of play heading into joint practices. I thought that, you know, uh, the difference between him and Daniel Hunter was like really obvious that Smith wasn't producing at a really high level, befitting his reputation, maybe befitting his contract, but not befitting his reputation. And I thought, you know, maybe he doesn't have it. Maybe the Vikes, you know, signed a dud. I don't know. And he's had like five or six sacks and team drills these past two days, as well as an enormous number of wins. And this isn't just against, you know, whoever the, the backup tackle is for the 49ers. This is against like Trent Williams. Like he's doing a really incredible job getting into the backfield. Uh, a lot of these sacks that he's producing, they're not, you know, Trey Lance's fault for holding on to the ball too long, although that's an, that's a problem that he has. Sometimes Smith is winning right away in the backfield, getting a sack, stopping a two-minute drill. I mean, he's doing really well. So I think that's one of the big takeaways, but I thought we saw some really good stuff from Jalen Twyman, who had a really good preseason game. We saw some uh, mm -hmm. really great stuff from Harrison Phillips and, and Dalvin Thompson. I mean, that defensive line looks fantastic um, to me. Uh, you know, I, I think that, you know, Lewis Seen is finally coming into his own a little bit. He looked, you know, pretty decent yesterday, pretty good today, which is, I think, the first time I felt, you know, he stood out in a, a hugely positive way. So that's good. Uh, and then offensively, I'm just really impressed with the Vikings' ability to kind of take advantage of situations as opposed to be subject to situations, right? Because they were victims of situational football the past three or four years. And now it seems like they can actually take advantage of them. I don't know if that'll translate to the regular season, but I remember every other training camp where they've had two minute drills and they've never been this successful. Yeah, that feels yeah, really I, good to hear that that defensive line has been so good. That was just kind of a question mark for me. First of all, if you're just looking at all 22 starters outside of guard and center, it's like, okay, what's the maybe the third biggest question mark? It was that third defensive line spot. Sounds like with Armin Watson. Then Phillips, you sign him and you just assume that, all right, he's going to step in and, and be the next uh, Michael Pierce or Limbaugh, whatever in that role. And and you still got to go out there and prove it. So to finally see him in action and dominating against a different team, that's uh, absolutely outstanding to hear. And then outside of those pass rushers, it sounds like the backups have been pretty good as well. DJ Wanham and Patrick Jones for the most part. Um, but my question that I wanted to ask you, boots on the ground, Sam, I know you've been there the last two days as well. Cam Dantzler, you guys have raved about, said really solid training camp. How do you look against different opponents, guys like Debo and Brandon Ayuk? 
Yeah, I, I felt like there was a really good marriage between the run defense and pass defense of the Vikings, and I'm not sure that I can give all the credit to their secondary because I felt like it kind of was keyed by the pass rush, but there was very little in the way of passing game today, especially for the 49ers. I thought Dantzler was in good position most of the time. Um, I think Debo was going up mostly against Peterson, so it was Dantzler against Ayuk, but... Um, I liked what I saw in terms of just, you know, overall results were great for the Vikings defense. Again, a lot of that were like collapsing pockets, poor accuracy on Trey Lance's part. I don't know if there were a tremendous number of like batted balls in the secondary. There were a couple. Uh, they had a near pick today. But all told, I think it was a, another step in the right direction where I think Dantzler keeps entrenching himself in that week one starter role in front of Booth, um, who I think did pretty well in his own right. That's yeah, great. I, I can't see one... a reason. That... Go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead, Reef. I'm gonna. Yeah, I'm just gonna. I can't see a reason that you wouldn't start Cameron Dancer. I think that he's been between good and great heading into the joint practices. I wouldn't say that he's been phenomenal against the 49ers, but I'd say he's really good, right? Which is a huge leap forward, I think, from the perception of him coming in. Uh, I guess I'll give credit to Sam for anticipating that that Dancer has been a good corner and and checking into the PFF stuff instead of being victims of the moment. But Dancer has been good. Uh, one other question. Did I hear Wyatt Davis got some run with the second team? Was that true? Did you guys see that? Can you confirm that? Technically true, but it was a result of Jesse Davis getting shaken up. And then today, when they had like a day to, to plan for Jesse Davis being out, they, instead of elevating Wyatt Davis, they moved Blake Brandle inside with the twos and put Vidarian Lowe as second team tackle. That's yeah. how much they were trying to avoid playing Davis with the twos. So probably yeah, and, not and Chris Reed there. and Chris Reed couldn't participate today because of the elbows. He had two guards that mm. were out and Wyatt Davis would occasionally oh. be with the twos. So okay. uh yeah, Wyatt Davis was elevated but not as a product of his level of performance. But by default though. Not by coach, by yeah. default. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yes. That clears Can that we up. stick okay. with the offensive line? And talk about this Christian Derrissaw, Trent Williams thing. Because, like, mm -hmm. it's adorable. Like, Christian Derrissaw talking to Trent Williams all after practice. Like, they have the same number. mentor, mentee. Yeah, they have the same number. Trent Williams, like, oh, I see myself in the kid. Cutest thing in the world. And it does. Uh, Randall McDaniel, like... too, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he, he was there walking around. Um, and, it, it and Alex Boone, like... too. Another great influence. <laughs> Jeremiah Searles. That's what he you was also there. <laughs> Yep. Yeah, Jeremiah Searles was there, too. All the Vikings um, Drake, okay, honestly. So... But holding <laughs> his own against Nick Bosa? Is this insane? Am I just seeing cherry-picked Viking stuff? Uh, uh, you, you might be seeing some cherry-picked I heard Bosa stuff. had a day Bosa... today. I, I, I yeah, heard so, Bosa so, had okay, a day, but yesterday there's, was like okay, there's, 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 there's two ways about this, right? So Bosa had a really phenomenal day today. Um, some of it came against Derrissaw. Some of it came against Brian O'Neill. In fact, I think it actually happened a little bit more against Brian O'Neill. Some of it came against Ben Ellison and Zach Davidson. So who cares? Mm. That doesn't mean anything to me at all. Um, but <laughs> but Nick Bosa uh, did really well. I don't know. Like if you kind of adjust your expectations for you know the fact that Nick Bosa is a Defensive Player of the Year candidate and Brian O'Neill is merely kind of a Pro Bowl player, right? Um, or Pro Bowl quality player. I don't think he's ever been in the Pro Bowl. Um, and Christian Derrissaw is, is attempting to get to that level then, yeah, I mean, they're going to get beat a couple of times, and that's what happened. But um, I, I, I would say that, that Trent Williams and Christian Derrissaw uh, both played at a fairly similar level throughout joint practices, 
And that's not a great compliment to either of them, honestly, if you look at how Trent Williams played against Darius Smith. So you could say that, that that there was a comparison there, but I don't know that they, they actually come out positively as a result of it. Braun, did I see a big Chris Boyd tweet from you? Am I wrong about that? I was just watching Raiders tape, and he had just a really good day in that preseason game. There was the sequence that we all probably remember where he got targeted like three times in a row and he broke up all of them. Um, and then just watching him in like run support and squeezing gaps and stuff, he just played like a really sound game. I think he's kind of running away with that that fourth cornerback spot. I didn't see much good or bad from a Caleb Evans. I don't think he got tested much. I think it's just as a weird function of the plays the Raiders called. Um, but Chris Boyd has been like genuinely pretty good and probably is rising up the the depth of that that room. That that's that's very interesting. That's good to hear. But so. Knowing that, you think Chris Boyd is is clearly ahead of a Caleb Evans on the depth chart, just as we sit here today. If I had to make a CB4 decision after mm-hmm. Peterson, Dantzler, Booth, I would probably give it to Boyd if I had to do a game tomorrow. But Su- Sullivan right? in the mix too, right, in that slot? Yeah, yeah just roll. outside guys. Yeah. yeah, yeah, okay, I got you. Built Bar. Built Bar has a brand new flavor, and folks, let me tell you, it is life-changing. Cookie Dough Chunk Puffs. They've got a light, chewy texture. I can't help but be seductive when I talk about it because it's just so good. They're covered in 100% real chocolate, all the joys of eating cookie dough without the hassle of making it. And get this, folks, it's healthy for you. With 15 grams of protein bursting through, run to Built.com right now and get your collagen protein-infused cookie dough chunk puffs. And there's a new promo code, Built.com. Promo code locked on fifteen and get fifteen percent off your order. Promo code locked on fifteen for fifteen percent off the delicious new cookie dough chunk puffs at built.com. Get to our four minute drill today. Let's run the intro. The rules, as a reminder, you get one minute to plead your case. Each of us argues for a minute, total of four minutes, hence the four-minute drill. Today's prompt, how many Vikings are going to play, I'm sorry, how many Vikings rookies are going to play 100 or more snaps this season? I would like to keep this to offensive or defensive snaps and not special teams because that's just so messy to calculate and difficult uh, to quantify. So I want you to plead your case. How many rookies play 100 snaps or more? How about we start with Luke Braun and then go around the circle? Luke, kick off the four-minute drill, would you? So 100 snaps is a pretty low bar. A couple people who crossed that last year were Luke Stocker and Chris Boyd. Uh, So this is basically anybody that gets in in any rotational capacity. So give me Andrew Booth. Give me Lewis Seen. I think Asamoa does. I think Ed Ingram is going to win genuinely a starting job. Um, and I think one or two other guys are going to get in maybe just via injury or just via some kind of rotational thing. I will conservatively say five people, but the question was how many and not specifically who. So I'm going to go with the top four and then, I don't know, one of the other guys. I yield my time. Okay. Well, I'll take it. I'll just keep this clock rolling. I'll finish up mine within this minute. It'll be a three minute drill. I will go with seen because I think he's going to, I mean, all you need is like one start or 10 snaps for 10 games in a sub package role. 
Booth because he's one injury away. Asamoah, I think, is going to be a, you know involved in some way. Uh, Ed Ingram, a starter. And then Ty Chandler. I don't think you even need to have an injury for Ty Chandler to find 100 because I just think he's going to be involved enough to get to that threshold. So five. Am I up? Yes. All right, I'll go. All right, I don't know why you're yelling, Sam. Yeah, I think the first four are pretty easy. You're right. Seen, Booth, Ed Ingram, Brian Asimov, pretty easy in my opinion. Um, I like that Luke said five, and for me it's a toss-up between Ty Chandler or a Caleb Evans. I thought Evans was a little bit higher on the depth chart, uh, you know, ahead of a guy like Chris Boyd, but now Luke's starting to make me question my thoughts there. So maybe Ty Chandler, you're right, uh, Sam. Maybe Ty Chandler, if you had to pick one of Ty Chandler or Caleb Evans, Maybe Ty Chandler would be the guy. Originally, I looked at this question and thought about special teams as well. And even without special teams, you need, what, 17 games? You need about six snaps per game. So uh, Luke Brown's right. The bar is set pretty low, but four for sure locked in. I mean, pretty pretty set in stone there. And I think a Caleb Evans or Ty Chandler would give you your fifth. Um, I'll say Ty Chandler as well, though, if I had to pick one. I'm still waiting for someone to drop like a Nick Muse or an Odomewo, um hot take. So maybe it's a real good. All right. Um, I mean, as Luke said, it's it's about a number, not the uh, not the specific people. But we've already talked about that number. Most of us agree on five. I think that uh, a couple of you are over valuing Brian Asamoah here, but I think with 100 snaps, it's kind of difficult to avoid the fact that he's likely the third linebacker, especially given the performance of the other linebackers. Although Blake Lynch, I still think, is going to make the team above uh, somebody like Troy Dye, right? So I think that that's somebody to consider. Um, that said, I think that the, actually the uh, the dark horse to take you know those snaps, I don't think is necessarily Ty Chandler, although he's done so well that I have to consider it. So if I was going to make a push for number six, it would actually be Zach McLeod. Uh, you know, the, uh, they're going to have a heavy rotation at edge rusher. Um, I don't know that DJ Wanham's uh, improvement is genuine yet, and you want to have that fifth edge rusher. You know, plus snaps, Zach McLeod has played both inside and outside uh, in practices, and I believe a little bit in the preseason game. I thought he looked really impressive for the position that he was in um, as a preseason player. So I think that actually he's the dark horse, not somebody like Jalen Naylor, not somebody like Jadarian. I like that. Good call out there, mm -hmm. Zach McLeod. I like that too, yeah. Mm. That is a good call. Um, where were you all 13 years ago today? Because someone was flying into town on a jet. His name was Brett Favre, 2009. Oh, no. Today is the 13-year yeah. anniversary of Favre's arrival. Uh, does anybody have a notable memory of, like, where you were in? I mean, who knows where we were in life, but like following that saga and that season uh, from last August, what, 18th, 2009, a where were you moment? This dude interrupted my debate practice. That's where I was. I was upset. <laughs> you nerd. <laughs> nerd. Well, because so, so Brett Favre was the it's first so season that I, I mean, right. Brett Favre, Brett Favre's 2009 season was the first season that I had. Uh, begun following football really seriously. And that was actually a product of being shanghaied into a fantasy football league with the rest of the debate team. Uh, and so uh, they were following this saga and 
we were doing research on, I forget what it was. It might've been yeah, cotton subsidies. Or, actually, that was my senior year, so it probably wasn't that. Um, but, you know, it was a nuclear policy. And, you know, we, we were like trying to figure out whether or not you know, the United States would be in high alert for their nuclear weapons testing program. And I was talking about, you know, something related to, to solid state fuel with, with nuclear weapons. And, you know, the debate coach the comes in. origin story I've ever heard. <laughs> what, you don't think nuclear weapons are interesting? Come on. Uh, <laughs> no, I don't uh, think the big coach... team fantasy football is interesting. I'm not talking about fantasy football. I'm talking about nuclear weapons and Brett Favre. Figure it out. Anyway, uh, the debate coach comes in and, he's, and he yells, right? And he yells, Brett Favre is coming to the Vikings. And I was like, I knew who Brett Favre was. Let's not pretend, you know, I wasn't like, who? Uh, but I was like, okay, who cares? What's the link to the disadvantage? How do we get out of this, like, solid state rocket fuel problem where, you know, fuel is stored offsite for nuclear weapons. How do they fire quickly enough for this to actually be an issue? And uh, my debate coach told me to shut up. So I was pretty mad. (laughs) (laughs) So that's where I was. And then um, it was the San Francisco game that I got, I got turned back into caring about football a lot and Brett Favre specifically. The San Francisco game is, is funny because I watched, I think, most Vikings games and rarely, and I wouldn't have missed any other Favre games either. Cause that was just such a gigantic season. And that's the team we got on TV in, in Vermilion, South Dakota. Um, but that day I was at twins Royals. The twins were in a pennant chase, Luke. They were like a few days away from game one sixty three. I know you were at that game. Um, but they were in Kansas city trying to like win the division or win the wild like, wild. No, yeah, the division, win the division. And at that point, didn't have smartphones, so there was no way to check in on the game unless somebody was texting you. And I've got like, I don't know, 250 texts a month or something like that. And someone was like texting me, uh, Niners 24, Vikings 20. Oh, the Vikings are driving down the field. Oh, Greg Lewis. And I'm like scratching my head, Greg Lewis. Who? Greg Lewis. Sounds like a wide receiver's coach. Right. (laughs) Which... He is? Question mark. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Crazy. I can't believe I it's was... been 13 years. I mean, that's the ultimate time. Yeah, flight. that's wild. That's wild. Yeah. I, I, I don't remember specifically where I was. I do remember my buddy Jerry from White Bear Lake calling me when we traded oh. back for Randy Moss the Jerry! next year. And he was, I mean, oh, I, I could barely understand this. But you got to remember, like, early 20, this is a grown man calling me up on the phone in just pure excitement and joy, nearly in the verge of tears, saying, dude, Favre de Moss, man. It's going to happen. Favre de Moss. And I'll just never forget that. I was just taking my dog for a walk or something. But uh, I remember that one specifically. I can't remember specifically where I was when, when Favre signed uh, and the big circus started down in Mankato that, that summer. Bron, were you in high school at that, that point? Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was my last. Yeah, I'm a baby. Uh and I ha- I remember an econ class my senior year that I took with another uh, Vikings Twitter person, Matt Anderson, and our friend Melissa. And our friend Melissa was very, very, very upset. Not that Melissa, Arif. Uh, <laughs> our friend Melissa was very upset that we had Brett Favre because her words, he's a traitor. Which we explained a lot of times how, wait, but he was like, our, like for us, like ours and it's like if we were british and she, and we heard she was about mad the whole year. arnold we would be happy about that 
Yeah. Like, if you were to ask British people how they feel about Benedict Arnold, like, they love him. <laughs> He's a hero. And that whole semester, that whole fall semester during that season, like, every day in that class, we would sit there and argue about if Brett Favre was good or not. And she would, like, root against Brett Favre. It was the most surreal person I've ever met. <laughs> was, I'm, I'm, I'm hearing a lot of weird this. traitor takes from people named Melissa. That. That's all I'm saying. A lot, a lot of weird right. betrayals surrounding Relax. people named Melissa. <laughs> Relax, he's saying. We'll find that one out in the outtakes later on behind the scenes. This will be uh, the ex- but, yeah. That that story is on the exclusive uh, YouTube yeah. cut. Of but show. you're right, Sam. It is pretty crazy to always look back at that Favre era and how many memories. I mean, just how fun it was. Win or lose every week. What did we go? Twelve and four. Obviously, we know what happened in the end. But still, thirteen and how three. How fun was that there for a while? The excitement. Yeah. Uh, just just around this team and fan base and organization for that summer, uh, going into that season, that entire season, which is great. Yeah, crazy. Um, so I want to get a little bit of 49ers game preview in here. Who has the most at stake on Saturday, 6 o'clock, U.S. Bank Stadium? I'm not expecting a lot of starters to play once again, but I don't think it's really about the starters, is it? I mean, it's more about some of these fringe guys. Um, we'll start with Inman. Where, what fringe players do you think have the most to gain or lose in this game against the Niners? And we've lost a reef. Um, He's yeah, back. I, I think you're right. Not expecting starters to play much at all. If there was one starter, though, I just want to call this out. I do want to see Chandon Sullivan. I've heard as a whole in camp kind of been not bad, bad by any means, but just up and down, kind of maybe a little inconsistent. And I'd love to go into week one feeling good about that nickel position secured because, it, you know, let's be honest, it's such an important position. Uh, and then more second team guys, maybe Troy Die. I think he needs to have a bounce back game. Arif mentioned that, uh, you know, he thinks that Blake Lynch is higher than him on the depth chart. Certainly could be the case, especially after that first pre season game alexander madison i mean he's clearly got some serious talent breathing down his neck right now i went into this conversation in question thinking chris boyd but i've kind of been talked out of that now um knowing that he's maybe more of the uh, fourth cornerback outside anyway so five the number five cornerback when you uh, include shannon sullivan in the nickel um they can only keep so many edge rushers too i mean those top four sets obviously with Juan and patrick jones and i think they really like some of these udfas mcleod being the one who really shined last Saturday. So maybe uh, Janarius Robinson is still in the mix. I'd hate to see him cut after just one season, fourth round pick, still has got some potential. And then again, finally, I bring him up every week. Wyatt Davis, I thought he showed a pulse getting into the second team. uh, What was it yesterday during practice? So I'd love to see him show something to stick around a little bit while longer, even if it's just delaying the inevitable. But those would probably be the big ones that I would circle on the list. I want to see a lot of the backup uh, front seven, especially along the defensive line and the edge group. Um, I I do want to see if DJ Wanham's improvement in camp thus far is going to be meaningful for the Vikings. I mean, he's not been um, a very good, he's been productive, but he's not actually been a very good player for the Vikings as a rotational guy. And I think that they've been trying to look for a replacement, which is why they drafted two edge rushers last year. Patrick Jones obviously has improved. His PFF grade wasn't great because of the way that he handled rush lanes. Uh, And so maybe if he cleans that up, he'll be a pretty good um, edge rusher. But I I am just kind of excited about, you know, Zach McLeod and Luigi Villain and stuff like that. And then on top of that, you know, obviously I, I want to see if maybe they're going to in- encourage Blake Lynch to to play that role instead of Troy Dye. I don't really know why Troy Dye uh, has the role that he has. I mean, Blake Lynch was the starter last year after linebackers went down ahead of Troy Dye. Uh, and and it seemed like, based off of what I watched in the preseason, that, that Lynch was actually a better player than Dye. So I'd like to see him kind of step up and be able to play next to Osamoa. 
and see if maybe they can, you know, have a more cohesive front uh, from that perspective. Otherwise, maybe the backup linebacker that the Vikings are looking for next to is not even on the roster. I don't know yet. Um, so those are who I'm kind of excited by. If a Caleb Evans is healthy enough to play, which I, I think he is, I, I would be excited to kind of see him take on some receivers, especially downfield if they're willing to throw it downfield. Um, I, I I know that Chris Boyd played really spectacularly in the preseason, um, but I do want to push back. I don't think Chris Boyd is CB4 among the outside cornerbacks. I think that he played very well, but I think the way that you know the staff has been treating him throughout the camp, the way that he's played in camp doesn't give him that affordance quite yet. Um, I don't think that, you know, outside of that game that he's been all that spectacular. And I'd like to see Caleb Evans um, kind of take that job in this preseason game and, and just be a more impactful player uh, as an outside corner next to, you know, Andrew Booth and obviously behind the two out other outside corners. So I think that's kind of probably an ideal scenario for the Vikings. So I do want to see a lot more of Evans. And then on offense, I do kind of see, you know, hopefully Chris Reed is, is healthy. They were kind of alluding to that in the presser when they talked about why they were holding him out uh, of practice. Hopefully he'll be able to play in the game. And if Chris Reed is healthy, maybe we'll be able to see what he can do at center because we haven't been able to see that in the game situation yet. So um, on offense, that's what I'm looking for. Maybe a little bit more Zach Davidson just to see if he's he can he's capable. And of course, I really want to see that middle of the, the wide receiver depth chart really play out because we saw great plays from Albert Wilson and Myra Mitchell and Amir Smith-Marset. And uh, we didn't get much of a chance with BC Johnson. We did get to see some good Tristan Jackson stuff. So uh, a lot of opportunities there in the receiving room. Couple notes before we pivot then to Luke Bronze. I have noticed that BC Johnson has gotten a lot of preference in in terms of where he's getting reps. Like today, KJ Osborne briefly shaken up. He missed a play, maybe two, but BC Johnson got those reps as wide receiver three, which I thought was interesting. Secondly, with the cornerbacks, they've given a lot of run to Perry Nickerson, who is not the player I would have expected to see get any kind of uh, good treatment. I would have expected Harrison Hand, Chris Boyd, and Caleb Evans to get all those reps, but it seems like Nickerson has been frequently with the twos. Um, so I, I found that interesting and maybe informative of the way the team is thinking in those battles. Luke Braun. And how's he looked, yeah. Sam? I mean, he's he's getting the twos, but how's he looked when he's out there? Uh, BC or Perry? Think he's been amazing. Perry. Perry. He's like the okay. most volatile dude on the defense against the Raiders. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's not been he amazing. Like I do want to say before awesome Luke Braun uh, goes, um, I, I do want to say I think we as the media have done a really poor job of communicating BC Johnson just in general, what he, what his performance has been, what he's been doing in camp, because I think a lot of fans are like, what's he doing on the roster? Why do you keep projecting him on the 53? You know, why does he seem like a lock? You know, why do some people think that he's wide receiver four and not Amir uh, Smith-Marset? And we've just done a poor job of talking about him because – He's really reliable. He knows what the routes are. He generally catches the ball. Obviously, it didn't happen in the preseason. Um, he definitely gets open a lot more often than players like Byron Mitchell and Tristan Jackson. Um, and he's been doing really well. It's just very often we bring him up in the context of, hey, Kellen Mott threw an interception. He was throwing it towards B.C. Johnson. But that's not B.C. Johnson's fault, right? So I, I just wanted to add, he's doing well. He's a good player. We just haven't done a very good job of explaining that. So mine was actually going to be the backup nickel battle with Perry Nickerson and Nate Harrison and Harrison Hand. I think Harrison Hands is like a pretty distant last, and I think it's really just the other two. And I think one of these guys actually might be able to get a roster spot because the question becomes, if Chandon Sullivan, who is the starting nickel, and it seems like that's not even really contested, goes down, what happens? Do we move somebody inside? Because they have not done any of that in camp. They haven't worked any of these guys out at versatile positions like Mike Zimmer would do with Mike Hughes or whatever. Um, 
So who's it going to be? Right now, it seems like it's either Harrison or Perry Nickerson. And that's something I'm going to be really keen to watch because I don't know who I prefer of those two. I really don't prefer either. And maybe that's another one where somebody's interesting gets cut. You start maybe trying to pick it up. You know, backup nickel corners can kind of be found lying around. Um, but I think all three of those guys are are definitely in the next two games playing for a job. Might be too late for Harrison Hand, who's struggled a lot. Uh, but all those guys kind of need these, like they have a lot at stake. And then the other guy I was going to say is Garrett Bradbury, who I don't know if he's competing with Chris Reed, who's not even playing right now because he's hurt. Um, I don't think he's competing with Austin Schlotman, but I think he's competing with unknown guy to be named later uh, with the, the rumors that have gone around about like a center trade or something. And I think he, like there is something at stake for him in these performances of whether he, he's either the starting center of the Vikings or I think he's not a Viking. I don't think you keep him around to be a backup. Um, so I think he's kind of competing against the great unknown, which can be a harder opponent than somebody like Chris Reed, honestly, in a camp battle. Um, and I think that's something, especially against like Javon Kinlaw and Eric Armstead and stuff like this is going to be a unit that that tests him and i would imagine that the starting o-line plays a little bit if they played last week i think they'll play again this week yeah so uh, just stemming off that real quick if they're all healthy who is the backup center right now or or who who would you project going into week one who's the backup center when they're all healthy is it chris reed over there is it schlotman i would guess schlotman but i don't know that's a schlotman it's kind of pretty up in the air okay okay no, that's yeah. good to know. I was just curious. Like, Reed okay. could still win that job if he gets healthy, comes in, and plays well. That backup mm-hmm. center job. Mm-hmm. But I think it's Schlotman's right now. Yeah, definitely want to be careful being a prisoner of the moment with injury if a guy misses a week or two that yeah. we assume that they can't mm-hmm. be a contributor. They can. There is still a lot of camp left. Even, like, after the final preseason game, there's still a couple weeks before the start of the regular season. We, we talked about, boy, Dantzler Nickerson on this show. And I want to turn this into a larger conversation about the secondary. What are the range of outcomes for this group? Because my thought is I feel the way about this secondary, the way I feel as a microcosm about Cameron Dantzler. Like I think there's a lot of um, vitriol around Dantzler for the way he's played late in games. But as I pointed out, like the plays On a play-by-play basis, he actually wasn't that bad. I think the Vikings' secondary is similar. Like, PFF grade, 17th, I think, in 2020, 19th in 2021. The DVOA was much better on the defense than, like, the overall points allowed would suggest. Like, I I, I think that the defense is not destined to be bad. Um, And the secondary is not destined to be bad. I think jettisoning Breland and Alexander is addition by subtraction. Like, I do think there's plenty of upside for the secondary as well. So I'm curious what y'all's ceiling slash floor is for this group. Yeah, I, I, think, I it's think with so a, many a young really players. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I think with so many young players, such important position, scene, booth, not to mention Bynum, who I think we all agree looks really good, but he still only has, what, two games uh, starting under his belt. There's just a huge disparity between the vets and Harrison Smith and Patrick Peterson, who've kind of seen it all, 
to the young, inexperienced players. So I think we'll see a lot of inconsistencies and learning moments, if you will, especially those first five, six weeks. We already know to expect a lot of flags and penalties from somebody like Booth who just has to adjust to the NFL. Uh, it's only normal to expect a guy like Lewisine to maybe get lost once in a while, miss some assignments here or there. But I still think the talent is all there to be a top 12 to 15 secondary easily. I, I think a lot of it will ultimately fall on just how much they can count on Dantzler out on that island at times. How much is he going to progress this year and develop? And then how effective the pass rush is going to be too, obviously matters a lot. But it might take them a month or two, the secondary specifically I'm talking about, might take them a month or two to really get their feet wet and kind of learn how to play cohesively as a, a, a unit. Yeah, it, it's going to be volatile, I think, because everybody's learning something new. You're never going to be great at something the first day you do it. Um, and I think we just need to kind of understand that, like, this defense is going to have more potential than what we're going to see right away. Like, they are going to play below what I think their eventual ceiling will be because they're learning, they're getting stuff down. And I think about Cameron Dantzler specifically and, like, okay, what was the problem with Cameron Dantzler last year? It was a lot of mental stuff. It was a lot of busting coverages. It was a lot of mis misreads. And I thought he was a lot better at, like, the physical part of the game, actually mirroring technique and all that stuff. Um, and I think this scheme, I've, I've been saying it all offseason, this Donatel Fangio style scheme is a better fit for him because I think it is going to demand a little bit more pure man coverage without having to say, and then also read and also banjo and inside outside and all that stuff that Zimmer had him trying to learn that he would then mess up, bust a coverage, someone streaking free open downfield or put the safety in a bad position. And now it looks like the safety made a bad play. A lot of that stuff was on Dantzler. And I think it just fits his skill set a little bit better. And so I wasn't too surprised to hear, oh, yeah, he looks really great in camp. Because also in camp, individuals and stuff is also going to be a, an environment where a lot of the other variables are stripped away and it's just mano y mano. That is where Cam Dantzler is at his best. And I think the Vikings would be wise to keep him in that mono, in that kind of simplified world. Um, but all of that said, there's a lot to learn. There's uh, 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 excuse me, a lot of stuff to get down and get comfortable with and Aaron Rodgers is first like I'm sorry he's hanging 40 mm. on you in your first day playing in this scheme <laughs> mm -hmm. deja vu to 2020 I mean I think yeah. that's yeah you make a good point Luke is that there are going to be growing pains and that was used frequently as an excuse early last year with a lot of the breakdowns they talked about how they weren't used to each other they blamed you know the breakdown at Cincinnati with Jamar Chase getting by um, Breland, I think, and then the, the Rondale Moore breakdown in the Arizona game. They they pointed to their lack of cohesion a lot, and you know now they're switching schemes. Like even the guys that were here have to learn a new scheme. So it does feel like that that could be all too convenient of an excuse for this secondary to struggle early in the season. Arif, do you agree? Yeah, I think so, but I do think that there's a difference between, you know, this group and the 2020 group and, and, and the 2021 group, and especially the 2020 group, because, you know, I remember, um, you know, a lot of us asking Zimmer about, you know, whether or not the, uh, the the 2020 group needed some additional help because they were all very young. You brought in a bunch of new people, first time you don't have continuity, and he kind of denied um, that that was going to be a thing. And, of course, it ended up being a big problem. And, of course, in 2021, that, that continued itself, although you brought in a little bit more of a veteran presence. I think that when you take a look at it from the perspective of comparisons to them, I think that the secondary as a whole – 
is just better, right? It's not necessarily more experience because you do have those two rookie corners, but um, there's going to be more experience starting for you. And that experience is, I think, going to make a pretty big difference. So I'd say for me, the floor for the secondary overall is probably, you know, 20th, maybe 21st, 22nd, um, when you compare it to other secondaries across the league. And I think the ceiling, like like Luke said, it was a really volatile group. The ceiling could be up to eighth, right? They could be the eighth best secondary group by the end of the season. Um, and you're already top eight, right? You know, I don't, these the precision of numbers here is kind of false but um you know in in that consideration right um i i think that yeah there's going to be young players it's a new scheme they have to learn how to communicate but i do think the scheme although it is also a match zone scheme generally a little bit simpler when it comes to working with uh cornerbacks and their handoffs and, and what they need to do in, in terms of the rule set uh than the zimmer scheme and uh you've just got you've got people that they may, may not necessarily have been working together a lot although the starting four i guess have um, you, you do have people that, that, that just have more experience uh, overall. So as you rotate in someone like uh, Ed for Booth or a Lewis scene, you know, that might change a little bit. And you have to bring them on board, but you don't have two rookies starting right away, which uh, was the case in 2019, if I remember Jeff Gladney and, and Cameron Dancer were at least slated for a ton of slap. Yeah, 2020, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, and you had to have, you had to have Holton Hill get burned uh, constantly in that in that first week, you know. And I think that that's that's just a huge difference between between now and then, right? So I, I think that they're in a better spot uh, from that perspective, and that and that gives them a floor of being better, right, as a secondary group. Um, but you know, that doesn't mean that they're going to hit. You know, you would have to have you know some some very serious Pro Bowl candidates uh, outside of Harrison Smith for you to think that this could be a top five unit, right? And I don't think that they're there. But I certainly think that, you know, given the schematic changes and how they might be friendly to Patrick Peterson's current skill set, given how Cameron Dancer is playing, given kind of, you know, the fact that Cameron Bynum is is up there and that they're using Harrison Smith in ways that he was used, being used to use for, for a while and he still looks very similar to what he was, you know, you've got a lot of potential to be a very good team. So I think that there's a very wide range here, but I, I think that the comparisons to 2020 and 2021 are appropriate, but they come out ahead when used that way, when when thinking about that comparison. Durante Jones I just, I just has got to be so thrilled. thrilled. Real quick. Oh, yeah, I just want to clarify myself too. I don't. This is not like brain dead cornerback. Like this is not like a, a totally not mentally anything kind of scheme. It's just, you know, you're not asking the outside corner to like make under calls or smash calls or something right. or like adjust the play in the middle or at least not as often unless you're on like the quarter side of a cover six or something like that, whereas Zimmer lived there every single play. And so you constantly had to understand the entirety of what was going on in the defense. Yes. And in some moments, Dantzler can just say, okay, I got you, you got me. And I'm just going to play. I can play whatever leverage I want. I can play whatever uh, technique I want. I'm just going to do what I think is best. And I think that's a better place for him. Like it's better for him to investigate and study one thing, one guy and hone in on it than have to try to holistically understand everything. I think that just fits the way that he plays better. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think it's fair because I didn't want to get across that it's a simple scheme. It's it's still a scheme that requires a, a lot of cornerbacks, but when compared to what Zimmer was demanding of cornerbacks, which, like you said, they have to know the whole defense. This is why you wanted to throw people in a nickel corner because it forced you to learn more of the defense. Um, it, it gives you a little bit more freedom of play in terms of the fact that mm -hmm. you're – 
you are playing, right? It's, it's The decision trees are going to be there in terms of what you have to do. The decision tree is pared down a little bit and also which decision tree you're using. And that, I think, was one of the bigger issues when bringing, when onboarding new corners in the Zimmer scheme is that, you know, you go from one play to one motion and now your decision tree has changed to a whole new decision tree, to a whole new, it's a bunch of if-then statements kind of like layered on top of each other, made it very difficult for people to get on board. It's, it's still a, a scheme that has a degree of complexity um, and I imagine it'll grow complex again as, as time goes on because I, I don't think that this is going to be, given how young the group is, the, the final version of that defense in terms of its complexity. But I do think um, that there's just kind of less in terms of how much you have to instantly absorb in order for you to be a, a successful cornerback in the scheme, for sure. Reminder that folks can subscribe to this YouTube channel, Locked On Sports Minnesota, or the podcast, Locked On Sports Minnesota feed. There you get this show, the Ron Johnson Show, and Superior Sports Talk as well. A couple more topics, and then we'll be done. Mike Zimmer has a job with Deion Sanders at Jackson State. I'm not sure anybody predicted this as a landing spot, but here we are. I'm curious what his path is going forward. Is this a one-year sabbatical for Zim, uh, where he can collect his buyout from the NFL and the Vikings and hang out with his boy, primetime? Or is this the start of Mike Zimmer back in the college ranks where he began his coaching career? Luke Braun. I I can't predict if he goes back to the pros or back to uh, college and what he does. If he's willing to accept like defensive coordinator or even position coach jobs, I'm sure there's a lot of those available for him in the NFL. And it's probably going to be more about what Mike Zimmer wants. This does feel like a sabbatical a little bit, though. It does just feel like, look, that last couple years broke that man and in a way that he lashed out at people he treated people that that is a broken man and he needs to get away from it all and go back to basics and what better way to do that than with a good friend at jackson state just coaching up kids and that's it, it reminded me of that quote that zimmer gave in an interview some years ago where somebody asked him like so what would you do if you couldn't coach and he like meandered through the quote a little bit and then ended up saying probably coaching somewhere. And I feel like that just happened. <laughs> yeah. It, it, Brian knows Brian Murphy friend. at his ranch. Yeah, that's yeah. right. And, and not just a good friend. Those two are best friends. Their relationship yeah. is just hilarious. You guys remember when Dion popped in on the press conference and Zim didn't know he was going to pop in. And Zim was just glowing, man. He was just so pumped to talk to Dion for a little bit during that presser. But I agree with Luke. I think... You know, it, it's impossible to predict, but I think the way those last two years ended put such a bad taste in his mouth. I think he wants to come back sooner than later. I think it's going to be a one-year sabbatical, maybe two, but he wants to come back and kind of redeem himself at some point, whether it's a defensive coordinator spot or a secondary coach, whatever it may be. I think he ends up back in the NFL in the next two, three years. I can't see Mike Zimmer wanting to recruit very hard. So I don't mm -hmm. think that Mike Zimmer is going to take a head coaching college job. And even those position coaches, you know, coordinators in college, they've got to be involved in recruiting as well. So I think this is like, okay, Mike, you can do whatever you want. Just help me watch the tape. Help me, you know, identify some stuff with these kids. I don't need you going on the road. I don't need you really doing a whole lot. You can hang out at your ranch in between games for all I care. I don't know what the what the arrangement is, but this is going to be low effort for Mike Zimmer, I think. Um, but I, I can't imagine Mike wanting to get into the year-round college coaching and recruiting 
grind. I think this is a one-year stop to let time heal his reputation, number one, because I think that was probably a little damage. Uh, he can collect the buyout and then jump back in next year when opportunities arise that might be favorable to him. <laughs> Dallas. Um, I, I, I don't know that he has a plan like that. Like, maybe, you know, he uses this as a springboard to becoming a professional coach again or a college coach again. Um, I, I don't think that he has thought that far ahead, not because he's not the kind of person to think far ahead, but I think because he's content. Um, going back again to that Brian Murphy, I mean, I just can't get that out of my head, that Brian Murphy interview, when he was asked, what do you do if it wasn't for football? And he responded with football, right? Like, I think he just wants to coach. <laughs> like, um, so, yeah, I, that that I think is um, kind of at the core of it. Obviously, you know, I'm sure he was open to opportunities and, they, you know, he's not a person who reaches out for opportunities as much. Um, so I'm sure he was open to opportunities. He wasn't reached out to. Um, he was talking to probably, my guess is what happened is that he was talking to Dion and he mentioned that he'd love to get back into coaching and Dion was like, well, I'm a head coach. I can, I can resolve this problem. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> I, I, I think that um, this was really just a way for Mike Zimmer to, to do what he loves. And, um, you know, he's already he's already hit the highest echelon in terms of job titles. Um, I think that, you know, he'd like to be back in that spot, but I don't think that that's going to be as driving of a force for, uh, at, for him as it was when he was in Cincinnati, when he was getting frustrated that he's being looked over for a bunch of these head coaching jobs. He's been there. He's done that. Obviously, he hasn't won a Super Bowl as a head coach or as a defensive coordinator, but I think that um, it's, it's, it's ultimately coaching that gives him a lot of joy. And I think that that's at the core of this. Maybe he'll use it to springboard. Maybe he won't. Um, but I don't think he's got a plan to sanitize his reputation or, or, or let time heal wounds about his reputation. Um, if that happens, great. But rather, I think he just wants to coach. Yeah, Dion was like, oh, you want to coach? Uh, okay, I know a guy. All right, I, I think I know. Okay. Hey, what was the deal? A week or two, a week or two before that was announced, uh, him teaming up with Dion down there, um, he it was announced that him and Rick Spielman separately, but to the same place, got a job with that thirty third team. Or what was that? And is he still planning on doing that then as well? It's like a kind of a scouting website or or some sort of a business or something like that. Do you guys know anything about that? And uh. I mean, have you, have you seen his contributions? It was it was very minimal. So it was weak. very minimal what he was doing. So ghostwriters, um, yeah, really weak. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, he contributed his like three writer... paragraphs. Yeah, sorry. I, I, he contributed like three paragraphs of of one thing to week one preseason observations, and he was accredited with writing a whole other article that I don't think that he wrote. Um, not because he's not capable of it, because it, it just doesn't match anything that i recall right. him talking like just the way that he <laughs> talks right of so, the eight years um, yeah right right to me it sounded yeah to me it sounded like a tagging error like they tagged the wrong author uh mm. than it was anything else but um he hadn't written anything else he'd Mike just written Marks. those three paragraphs oh yeah, yeah right yeah, yeah. so yeah. um i maybe it falls by the wayside my guess is that it does but it just it just felt like it was just like a, hey we can list him on the masthead we can pay him for being on the masthead um and uh and he'll he'll throw some quotes in here or there he's going to be upset about special teams in the preseason fantastic let's go for sure yeah what do you think zimmer's yeah. writing style is did <laughs> oh my goodness <laughs> What is this? This is that's the day Brett Favre was signed. That's the day Brett Favre was signed. That's right. That if was you're, the uh, day I heard. If Brett you're not Favre watching, 
if you're on you audio be. only, know that we are looking at a an image. I, I assume, I hope, is on the Fourth of July of uh, Luke Inman being Luke Inman. Nope, May eighth, just a yeah. random day. That's just a normal Tuesday back <laughs> then. Yeah, that's just a, very patriotic. That's just a random Tuesday. Yeah, great. Sixth of great, January. Uh, <laughs> great film archive there. Great way to pull that one up. That was great. Yeah, thank. You. Yeah, that's a good job by Matt. Um, party fouls. I think that's, I mean, that's Luke's party foul. You don't get to go today. That's it. That's your only. Party oh, foul. I had a good one today. Um, okay. All right. <laughs> okay. You twisted my arm. Uh, but first the animation. Go ahead, Luke. Well, here's the deal. Party foul. I got some bad news. Here's the thing. Two years ago, I lost my fantasy football league. And this is one of those diehard leagues with all the high school buddies. We take it seriously. And every year, the loser has uh, the loser of their league has to do a loser punishment. Now, we went to the draft last year in Vegas. They had every opportunity to make me do something ridiculous and off the wall, but call it luck, call it be it distracted by pool parties, crafts tables, gambling. By the grace of God, I got out of there unscathed. But my punishment is still on the table, and they're putting the heat on for me to get something done by draft night, which is just a little bit over a week away. So my party follows not fulfilling my punishment yet. And I'm looking for options from you guys when it comes to fulfilling and just getting this done with. Here's a few options just so you know kind of where the bar is being flung out right now. Okay. Pretend to be a homeless man outside of Target Field or U.S. Bank Stadium holding a sign saying I lost my fantasy football league. Number two would be shave my eyebrows and take a new driver's license or passport picture. Uh, one guy uh, two years ago made a music uh, video, kind of a rap video about the league being the loser. So that's kind of the the window or the bar that I'm working with. Do you guys have any ideas or suggestions how I can just get this thing over with? Because, um, you know, not doing anything too embarrassing to where like my, you know, my job could be in jeopardy or if the footage got online, like the world to see, like my life would be over. But somewhere in that window, of uh, okay. You fulfilled your punishment, um, but something that maybe I won't live down the you know the rest of my life. Hmm. Daisy Duke's calendar. Ooh, some oh. guy did a, a, a nude calendar a few years ago. Yeah, he he made his wife take all the okay, pictures, okay. and she just hated it. Yeah, so that's an option. I think. Yeah, that's good. I think you, you find that's not the kind of support you need. In high, uh, high school sports <laughs> is ramping up here in the next couple of weeks. I think you find yeah, like yeah. a high school soccer game where there's like twenty five mm -hmm. people. And you have to chant and like bang a drum for an entire game, like they do at the the United games. Let's go! Get on your feet! Why aren't you guys standing up? Let's go! <laughs> Sam, I was so worried that what you were about to suggest would put Luke on a registry. I was like, Sam, you specifically said a high school game. What you're about to suggest is not something that Luke should do. Um, but no, your actual suggestion, I like it a lot. Um, I, I think that it, it, he's got to you know, do the super fan stuff that you um, see at like NFL games or NBA games where, um, you know, he's got like a, we just put one letter of the high school painted on his chest with the assumption that there's going to be other people there. And, but there aren't, it's just him. He's got, he's swamped in body paint. Um, he's got like the feathers like everywhere. Cause I don't know, maybe it's a bird mask. I don't know. But like, He's he is clearly meant to be part of a party that is cheering for this high school as if they were an NFL team and none of them are there. And he is soldiering on. He is responsible for the, the fate of this team. 
Oh, I love it. A JV game at 4 o'clock in the afternoon with 12 people in the stands. Yes. Like yelling at the ref. Maybe I go glue my arm to the uh, court at a, at, a, at a JV game or something like that. Yeah, I like it. I like yeah. it. No, those are good options. Cool. I appreciate it. Maybe if anybody's listening at home, go comment on the YouTube channel. Tweet me at Luke underscore Spinman. Throw me some ideas. I, I, I got to assume I'm not the only one who's had to do some of these loser punishments. They become pretty popular over the last few years. <laughs> We keep running the the firework video. And by the way, May please comment on on the YouTube channel. That really helps, and you can be as ridiculous as you want um, in the comment and just be random. We would love it if you just commented. That'd be awesome. Party fouls. Uh, just generally, Jesse Davis. It's been a while since I've seen like a status quo veteran in a competition with a rookie with no guarantee that that rookie will take the job. Fail out this hard. Uh, it's been rough. He got pancaked by Javon Kinlaw. The clip went everywhere. Um, just Jesse Davis in general. Man, if it weren't for your contract, we'd be cutting you. Yeah. I don't know if I'd go that far, but it's been it's been a bad week for Jesse Davis. My party foul is Trey Lance super fans getting upset at innocuous <laughs> criticisms of Trey Lance. Um, it's been in my brain. It's been occupying brain space. I'm giving them uh, occupancy rent free, unfortunately. Um, it had, I mean, it, it, you know, Twitter fights are good for my brand, so it's not that big of a deal. But um, the, the, I, when I said that Trey Lance, or so, sorry, someone wearing a Trey Lance uniform looked sharp at the beginning of practices and then mistakes piled up, um, nothing too drastic, but the fumbled snap stood out. Seemed like actually, despite, you know, the bit that I hate NDSU players, seemed like a relatively good piece of somewhat objective observation about a quarterback that people are kind of interested in, in Minnesota, because he's from Minnesota, he went to NDSU, right? About how he had performed in practice. And somebody, I shouldn't say somebody, a number of people got crazy up in arms about this, which wasn't even that Trey Lance played poorly. It was that he had made some mistakes, which were, um, you know, to the extent that anything is objective, objectively categories, uh, ob objectively documented by other like 49ers reporters and Vikings. I mean, it's a fumble during the two minute drill. Like that's not a nothing thing that can end games. In fact, for the Vikings, it has, right? Uh, and so uh, it just like, just relax. Dude, if your guy is going to be good, if if your safety playing quarterback is going to be incredible, trust me, I'll take the L. You'll be happy. You don't even have to think of me. When I was when I was styling on Carson Wentz, and then he became an MVP candidate, I took a bunch of lumps, deservedly so, and it's fine. But like, there's no reason to be upset at like relatively objective criticisms that are. I, I want to stress again, extremely mild, right? Like. He looked sharp, but he made a couple of mistakes as practices went on, including a fumble. Like, just relax. It's a practice. I'm going to bookend the show with this complaint. The security around the San Francisco 49ers buses is when, when Joe Biden goes to foreign nations, he is not this secured. He is far more You're vulnerable. Kidding than the 49ers being Stop protected. Stop fans. And We're not going to moon you. Are you guys serious right now? Arif, you can attest year. to this? Is it bad? It's unbelievable. Really? They basically put us in a closed loop where if the 49ers are within 100 yards of the bus, like, so they have to walk across the entire outdoor field to get to their buses. And if they are, like, 
on the field, like within 100 yards of the bus entrance, we, we are not allowed to go through. We are not allowed to walk near them as they exit the practice facility. Um, and this is funny because inside the practice facility, we could pull them aside and talk to them for 15 minutes. We could give them a, a high five. We could give them a bro hug if we wanted to. But no, we cannot be within a half mile of their bus, which uh, prevents us from doing our job, going to our office, leaving like in our own cars and first world media I, problems. I am, so, I am so glad that I am not a traditional beat writer that has to write on deadline as much as I And mm-hmm. I still have deadlines and I still miss them. And my editor still hates that. But I'm so glad I don't have the tight <laughs> deadlines that most traditional beat writers have to adhere to because I can't imagine, you know, interviewing, say, Trey Lance for a story about, you know, the Marshall High School football team being here. It was actually a really wonderful moment. They got Chad Greenway to speak. They got Ben Lieber to speak. It was a really nice speech about, you know, um, how to conduct yourself at a practice, both to be a good player and a good person. It was fantastic, right? So you're writing this story, right? This human interest story. You talk to Trey Lance. You talk about what it's like to come from Minnesota. You talk about his experience being recruited by NDSU, what it means like to be in the NFL, what it means for people in Marshall. Great stories. You talk to Trey Lance. You shake his hand. And then you follow the direction that Trey Lance goes in so that you can go to the media room to file your story, right? And you're stopped by security that says, hey, you can't go here. You have to go around. You know, this is for the 49ers. It's like I, the guy I was standing next to, I was also standing next to five minutes ago, and I was also standing next to him 10 minutes ago, and I was also standing next to him 15 minutes ago, and we talked, and we shook hands. If I was going to do anything, it would have already happened. Your security sucks. But okay, I'll go around. So you go around. You walk around a long way. So you have to go, instead of um, around the field through the normal media route, you have to go all the way around the stadium, down some sets of stairs, and then you have to go back to the front gate. You go to the front gate, somebody stops you and says, hey, they're loading the bus. You can't be there right now. Um, you know, we're not going to let you in through. And and you say, hey, I was just talking to that person that's walking into the bus right now. Again, if I wanted to do anything, it would have already happened. Your security is bad. Uh, also, you don't have to let me through. They gave me a code for the gate because, and I cannot stress this enough, I am supposed to be here. Uh, So if you just let me put in my own code, which allows them to track me, by the way, they know where I am because I put in my own code. So if anything happens, you'll know where I was, right? Just let me do that. I'm on deadline. I have to, this guy, the guy that you're protecting wanted me to talk to him to write the story about how wonderful a person he is. And now I can't do it. And it's your fault. Hmm. I was outside in the baking wow. sun for like 20 minutes for no reason. Oh. And, and how do Arif you remains trapped, unable to leave in TCO Performance Center. Um, Arif, just a, a, he's running a out of oxygen. <laughs> They've got M&Ms and chips underneath the silverware drawers in the media room. You can get rations and food and stay Wait, alive. Actually, They've also got... Because they, they, took, no. they took the M&Ms and they put them out front. Yeah, Running so out of so ration and oxygen. Yeah, yeah. So we're oh. running out of the M and M's. Yeah, we're oh, losing receipts. No. Well, this is a sad end of the show. The Minnesota football party ends on a dour note. Luke Inman, Superior Sports Talk. Arif Hassan, The Athletic. Luke Braun, Locked On Vikings. Myself, Sam Ekstrom, The Ron Johnson Show, every day in Locked On Sports Minnesota. Thanks so much for listening. Subscribe to Lockdown Sports Minnesota on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. It's free. It's available. It's endless Vikings talk. And the Lockdown Sports Minnesota app is on Roku as well. 
For Luke, Luke, Arif, I'm Sam. Matt DeBritz directed. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you on Monday to review Vikings 49ers. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.